Welcome to DM to GM. This is the podcast where we answer your questions and help you feel more comfortable, hopefully, playing games around your table. I'm your DM from Dungeons and Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from the End of Time and Other Bothers, Sean Howard. And today we have a question from our Discord again. Come join us over in the Discord. Lots of questions being asked and answered by plenty of very lovely people. Uh, this one comes from Skull King 20 who asks a question. I just got it. Skulking. And it's Skulking. That's good. Skulking, Skulking. Yeah. Yeah. I missed it. But we got it now. Thanks, Skulking. Uh, Skulking wants to build a Godzilla campaign. Nice. They're putting together the finer points and details of the world, but they're having trouble with the religion part of it. The gods, the deities, the why people would be following specific gods, some who are very pro-monsters being in a, uh, in a Godzilla-driven world or esque world, and ones that are hard against and want to kill the monsters and monster races. Okay, so I think anytime you're working on a sort of follow up on last time, we're working on uh, the world building. Uh, gods are what I would consider like that high level map of the world, right? Like, or an area of the world. Like, there's not a lot of detail. Uh, we don't need to know a lot right now about the gods, but it might be helpful to know about two or three sort of sketched in. So I'd say, first of all, don't worry about figuring it all out. Just have fun with defining something. Um, and my first reaction, I just started opening some tabs here. My first reaction is to steal. Yeah. Uh, when when you're trying to create a, uh, a uh, you know, something that feels like a religion or, or you're, because the question was, how, why would someone join these religions? You don't have to look very far to find out about all kinds of religions from all different walks of life and areas of the world. Yeah. So I often start with Greek mythology and be like, Hey, you know, I just, you know, there's a zoo, there's a Zeus Greek. Or Z- doing no, Roman was, yeah, Zeus, Zeus is Greek. Is Greek yeah. Right. So walk through those and be like, well, maybe the three, they're sort of like four at the top. Maybe we map those into Godzilla. But I also pulled up just now on Mythopedia. Mythopedia is pretty cool.com. Uh, a list of the Chinese gods. And the first one I pulled up is Pangu, which according to this is uh, a horned and hairy beast considered to be the first living being in the universe. Uh, and it goes on to the little paragraph, but I'm like, well, that's cool. There we go. Yeah. Pangu might like Godzilla and these creatures that have, so if you follow Godzilla, or have been around yeah. for a very long time, right? Coming out of the ocean. Uh, Absolutely. No, that's that. That's awesome. Yeah. Looking to the real world and just refacing something or reworking something to make it right. fit. It doesn't it doesn't have to be it, you could just entirely lift that and put yeah. it into your world if it makes sense or just tweak things that, you know, yeah. just having take Pengu, it as an idea. Yeah. Right. So instead of Pangu, I might you come up with your own name or let the table come up with a name or let your table contribute you know, from their backgrounds, like have everyone, you know, bring up uh, their own gods to the table and you can just mishmash them in together into your world. That, the gods that they want for their characters, I should say. Yeah. If you're if you're building this world and you know or want gods and deities and religions to have a main a major part in this role in this game, that's going to be what you want to set up as part of their character builds. Like we always say. Or like we say a lot, um, put a, 
a lot of that information back on the players. So they're building the characters. You're giving them the world that they're in. Let them come up with the gods that they follow and the religions that they, you know, go to every Sunday. It's just going to invest them further into the game. Yeah. And I don't think you have to worry about why would people join a religion? We're, we're trying to step a little lightly here as two Canadians. Uh, Who don't really have a religion. <laughs> but but uh, the world is a cruel and difficult place. And, and we all are searching for meaning. Um, we all want hope. We all want meaning. We all want this to be for something. And that is a very powerful drive. And so in your world, there are the same thing, right? Those same forces. And this brings up a, an issue that can be a lot of fun. When world building, I find it's less about knowing all those details and more knowing uh, what it is um, people believe in, right? Like they believe in dragons. That one sentence, can you can build a whole world out of that. Um, and, and maybe there are no dragons, but it's just they believe in them. And that could be a whole country or a whole, you could just see that could be a religion. That could be whatever you want it to be. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't worry about why would people, it's more just like have fun creating a, a, a viewpoint on the world, which in this case, if we build something off or around Pangu, it would be like um, the first living being in the universe. And if you take that idea and create a God, what would that mean for that God? You know, are they lonely? Maybe that God created the Godzilla monsters, you know, uh, to as as first beings. And now they're waking up. Now it's now something in the celestial or uh, or beyond is aligning and all these God or all these monsters are coming back and people are now seeing them again or have been seeing them for a little while infrequently. But now, yeah, now they're having big you know, Kong Godzilla battles over New York kind of thing. And so maybe then you take a, a you create a God from, uh, you know, the more Greek mythology, you create Ares, who's who's all about uh, the hunter or is it who's is Ares? No, Ares war. Who's hunter? I don't know. Oh, you're, you're pulling so uh, much. No, no, so it's, much it's his sister. It's his Artemis. So maybe you create one around Artemis, which is uh, check if I'm right, Russ. Uh, I'm going back to like high school mythology. Artemis, Greek goddess of hunt in the wilderness, <sighs> wild animals, moon, chastity. Right. So then you create a god or in or around that idea that's now a younger god, but is now, uh, right? Like yeah. th they, they have to defend or they're all about stopping these creatures who no longer belong in this world. They're, they're out of place, out of time. That's right. Right. Yeah. The, the wise will figure themselves out. Um, the, the motivations or the lore, the the and I say the lore, but the loose lore around the gods will will dictate that for the NPCs and for the player characters who are and are not following different gods. And it's all down to your style of play, right? If you know, I don't tend to bring up a lot of religion in my games, but uh, if you want to and you want to have that aspect of role playing, then that does exist. And it, and again, yeah, don't. Yeah, like Russ is saying, focus on the big things, have a couple big ideas, and then let everyone introduce other parts of the Pantheon. Um, yeah, I'm also very much like Sean, and don't don't often introduce religion and, and gods um, as a main character or a main role. Um, but in in dungeons currently, like one of one of my players 
Uh, yep. Carla plays a character, Glim, uh, who is very devout to a god. And when she created that character and, you know, wanted to play the paladin and wanted to go through that arc, I put it back on her and said, okay, well, this is who you've, this is who you've chosen. Here is as much info, like existing world information. Now you've got to fill, fill in some of the gaps on what this journey is and how you're going to, you know, take this, you know, oath of devotion kind of thing, um, which takes it off of your plate, which is a nice thing, um, but also invest them in the go- in the character's decisions um, and why they would make those decisions. So you present them the gods and the religions and ask them ask them why they think monsters are really cool or why they think all monsters should die. Yeah. Why are they on this path to this God? Like, what does that mean? What is it all about? Like, why are they alone? Like, you can ask them about the history and how long is this a family thing? Like, has this been, you know, has their whole family always followed? Or have they broken with their, so many great things you can ask them. Absolutely. Uh, There, there's always, and we talk about this a lot. There's always a fear of, well, I've built the structure. I don't want to let them break it. I can tell you with maybe, no, I don't even know if there's been an exception. Uh, Asking a player to fill in data will often come back with something surprising. I once asked a player very, you know, if you've listened to my show, you know, what is your soulbound weapon? And we're in a fantasy world. And of course, they said bazooka. And and at the time, I was like, really, <laughs> really, really? <laughs> but it's been one of the funnest part of our shows, right? So there, there's, there's sometimes when you ask a player to give you some information, at first you're like, that doesn't fit with my world and all my building. But if you just let it sit for a second, it is always better than what I had planned. Yeah, having more minds on the game is always a is always a really great idea. Um, and knowing when to take that breath before you say no, because no shuts down a lot of things, and then remo- it can remove your players from wanting to make another suggestion. Roll with it and try it out. There's usually always a way that you can in-game to make something work or give it motivation or reason why it's there. And it's it's more fun having your players come yeah. up with things on the fly and them watching your reaction, which you can play up as much as or little as you want because they want to players want to play with your game and they want to see what makes it tick and where they can draw the line and where you not not break that's a bad way to say it um but my table loves to break the game yeah uh but i'm, I'm talking you as the game master right i mean the, your table wants to break you and my table wants to break me but that's that's a whole other problem uh, <laughs> but i don't think it is it i don't think it is like i think i think i think you're on d- definitely the right track our job as gms is not to tell our perfect story it's not to show the table how smart we are it's not to And sometimes it gets hard because we get so excited about the story. If we spend too much time world building, it can lead us to a bad place sometimes. So um, our job is to have fun at the table. And if that means they get to throw in something unexpected, but then it becomes something we laugh about and have fun with, that's, that's why we're doing this, to have fun. 
So hopefully you have some good information to go on for starting your religions in your game and then finding out why your friends and players and characters are following those religions and gods. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a really cool game playing in a Godzilla-like world, and I hope you have a great time with it, Skulking. Um, if you have more questions about this, again, join us in the Discord. There was a, a conversation about this going back and forth that we just love to see everybody helping everybody else out with their games. And if you have other questions, join us in the Discord or send us an email, dm to gmcast at gmail.com or join us on Facebook and Twitter. We're over there as well. And until next time, get your game going. Started. 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 It's just, it's on the the picture. (laughs) Get your game started. That's what I meant to say. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is Yanni, and welcome to Season 2 of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle. You are listening to the Floyd J. Calvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory. Stephanie is frantic and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no-good couples are already saying she's dead. The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear. And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf. Word on the street is that it's Schultz. Who cares about a lost colored girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutante, lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about Sinclair? You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? She's putting herself behind the eight ball. There's something more there, and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn the money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie. In fact, you're a liability. I will do everything in my power to get her home safe and sound. Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well. Bye.